What is happening, everyone? Hey, it's Nick with the Arsenal Bros. We are back after our mourning period for the loss of the Queen. We are back to review FC Zurich. We're going to waffle on some, some of the game's big questions about us as fans. And then we preview Brentford away. Let's just hope it goes better than last time. What's happening, everyone? We're the Arsenal Bros, and we are back with another cracking pod. Another chance to just be some bros and talk about the Arsenal. Right, Kevin? Let's do it. It's been a while. It's Ready been- to get back get back into this biz. It seems like it's been so long and since we had a game. We've had lots to talk about, I guess, and uh, we'll get to that here pretty soon. Ben, I, I'm sure you've been on the edge of your seat waiting to get this uh, pod in. Yeah, I've been on the edge of my seat just waiting for Kevin to be able to log into the Anchor app just so we can actually record. Technology and Kevin might be like the North London Derby. Oof. Some days it goes the red way and Kevin's way. In some ways it doesn't. Are you guys still on here? <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I heard it. Wow. <laughs> We joke about it now, but um, we might lose Kevin at some point, and we may or may not allow him back in. Yeah. Okay, well, we had a game. It seems like ages ago, but last Thursday we had a game, and uh, lots of things happened since then. But we had our, our Europa League opener. Were you guys able to watch that? I was. I uh, My schedule is, is pretty flexible, so I can I can bank out time – nine times out of 10 to be able to watch. And so I sat down and stayed awake for most of it. Took it in. It was a 1245 Eastern kickoff. So a little, uh, real early. I got to watch it. Most of it, uh, at the end of my school day, not a bad way to wrap up the day. So, um, yeah, I'll go over our lineup at first, Zurich was a hostile atmosphere. I thought the Swiss were known for being uh, neutral and friendly folks, but man, that place was a bit of a cauldron. I did not expect that. It seemed like they had a bunch of Arsenal fans in the stadium who didn't uh, get to witness the Granite Xhaka redemption arc because they booed the crap out of him. Yeah, geez. Back in his homeland and gets yeah. treated like that. Okay, line up quick. Finally gets some uh, rotation that lots of people have been begging for. Ramsdale gets a rest. Uh, the American Matt Turner with his debut. Tomiyasu comes in for Ben White at right back. Rob Holding comes in for Saliba at right center back. Gabriel keeps his place. KT in for Zinchenko. And another debut, Fabio Vieira in the Martin Odegaard role. Sambi Lakonga keeps his place. Granite Xhaka, the inevitable, the Terminator. Of course, he keeps playing. No problems there. In another debut, Marquinhos, the mystery winger, gets his full debut uh, at right wing for Bukayo Saka. Eddie Nketiah starts, and Gabriel Martinelli keeps his place at left wing. Any surprises on the lineup, Kevin? Any questions? Or did you, Were you excited to see some of these new guys? Nothing too exciting on the lineup. The one disappointment... And maybe it wasn't even a disappointment. Was it Cedric was out? But I mean, we all we all kind of were Jones and to see him make his season debut for us. But you can't complain with who we were forced 
to play it right back. And then I think you nailed it. I was most excited for for Vieira and then Marquinhos, the mystery winger, just to see what what they could bring to this Arsenal squad. Kev, question for you. What would it take for you to get a Cedric tattoo? Define a Cedric tattoo. Like <laughs> I thought you were gonna say a Cedric jersey. I was like, oh yeah, I mean, that'd be sweet, but just go straight for it. No, what would it take for you to get like I don't know, something Cedric tattooed on you. If we win a trophy this season and you find me the appropriate tattoo, I'll get it done for the pod. You heard it here first. Breaking news. Dude, that's so, that's way easier than I thought. Yeah, it's it's easy to. Okay, you heard it here first. If we win a trophy, Kev. Does the Emirates Cup count? The the Emirates Cup does not count, just like the Bangkok Cup does not count for whoever won that this season. Okay, fair. Fair enough. Okay, well, we'll look forward to hopefully Cedric playing a big role in the run into us winning a trophy, and Kev will celebrate that. So um, we're going to go through the Zert game quick just because it seemed like it was – ages ago but we take the lead 16 minutes in a great break from fabio vieira gets the ball on the left does well to shift it plays eddie and kedia through one huge touch slots it across with his left and marquinhos with his off foot with a very cultured finish cradling the ball into the top corner Cornhole, jeez. Cornhole. <laughs> Tell me I'm from Indiana, right? Great goal, and uh, man, the emotion on his face. He was uh, he was taken aback. What did you guys think of that first goal? That was silky. Uh, I mean, the ball was bouncing too, so at first glance it was like, oh, it's an easy finish, but then watching it back, how the ball was bouncing on him, where he put it, just the run he made, like full sprint like that, that's hard to do. Um, it still have the calmness to finish, but it looked like, you know, look definitely didn't look like this was his first uh, professional match for the Arsenal. Looks like he'd been playing for a minute. His legs are massive. I yeah. will just throw that out there. Like they are earthly. Like it's, and he's nineteen. It's just. He checks that birth certificate or something, but geez, Louise, that was crazy. But he, I mean, he looks like he's got the body of uh, somebody who's going to be difficult. He's got like a rugby trunk. It's impressive. Some like Triore vibes, not quite the the arms, but. Yeah, so we don't need to get the baby oil out on those. Um, We keep going and we're pretty much on top and we're pretty much in close cruise control most of the game, but. Eddie and Ketia, as he gives to Marquinhos, he taketh away, gives up a, a penalty with a true striker's challenge. I thought it was pretty soft, but uh, it was on a set piece, balls bouncing. He just kind of takes a, takes a whack. And uh, penalty, I don't even know. Kev, do we want to play your pronunciation game again? Yeah, let's let's play it. What's the name? Yeah, well, let me let me look it up. I'll send it to you. The guy who scored the penalty, um, it's their center back number yeah, thirty-one. Was actually their center back. Yeah, Ben, do you want to send it? 
Yeah, I got it. Oh, wow, what a name, though. Yeah, we'll go. We'll go to this. Oh, it was. <laughs> I need to take this in for a second. It was cra- <laughs> crazy. Yeah. Wow, that sounded great. Crazy sends uh, Matt Turner the wrong way, and all of a sudden we're one one at half. Kev, did you think? Oh, here we go again. This is the old Arsenal that we know and love. Or did you feel like, well, a lot of these guys haven't played much. We'll we're the better team. We'll we'll shrug it off and be fine. And you know, I wasn't too worried worried about it. I was more so just having fun with the banter of the match. And you know, I was calling for Enketia to come into the lineup for us way back in December and January of 20 late 2021 early 2022 and since then Nick has developed such a love for him <laughs> and now like somehow I've developed into the villain towards Eddie so I was talking some crap about Eddie yeah. giving, away, giving away a penalty and I think it I I just felt fine with it I felt we were going to come back and get the three points and that allowed me to be able to joke and have some banter banter during the game. And the ironic thing about Lacazette was that Marquinhos finish reminded me of Lacazette's one of his last goals in an Arsenal shirt against I think it was Southampton in dis in December of twenty twenty one. That free flowing move down the right side slotted back across and he just absolutely roofed it. And it almost gave me Lacazette vibes. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but here we are. Man, and, some throwback Lacazette vibes just for you, Kev. And I know, just for me. And I, what was weird is I felt that Turner was going to save the penalty, and then I was clearly wrong in that moment. And, but even going into halftime, I felt like we were going to find a way to score two or three in the second half and win going away from him. Well, I hate to break it to you. I guess. We're not breaking to anyone. We didn't score two or three, but thankfully we got one in the. Let's see what minute was it? It was later than I thought. Yeah. Oh no, it wasn't. A little nervous. Yeah, sixty-second minute. Marquinhos returns the favor to Eddie and Kenny, who makes his amends from giving away the penalty. So Eddie giveth, taketh, and, and giveth again. I mean, what a guy! Just getting involved in every way he could. Marquinhos chips a great ball to the back post, and Eddie nods down and in very well past the keeper. Reminding me, he had a couple of those chances last year that he missed. I can remember the one against Everton when we were 1-1 late at Goodison Park, and he came on and missed, uh, man, about the exact same chance. And uh, that was gutting because we went on to lose that. But he really took his chance well, and uh, a goal and assist for both Eddie and Marquinhos, we get a couple subs. Um, oh, how could I forget Her Majesty the Queen passing away and us taking a moment of silence at halftime? Black armbands are out, and uh, it was just kind of a weird feeling. And I do think that played a factor in us putting our starters subbing in because I think once we knew that happened, I think everybody had an idea that we weren't playing this weekend. So we needed to get them a quick tune-up. Maybe that's just me thinking that, but I kind of put that together. And the likes of Zinchenko, Saka, all came on. Um, Martin Odegaard, Jesus. Yeah, so we brought 
four typical starters brought them on and got them some minutes. It was not as clean cut of a finish as you would have hoped. A um, couple late blocks from KT and Rob Holding, but we hold on to win our Europa opener 2 1. Uh, probably a fair result. I mean, the XG was in the twos to the ones. So, I mean, their one was a penalty. They did not threaten too much. I mean, obviously, we'd love a 3 4 0 win. Um, credit to Zurich for um, not letting us get that free flowing. But um, again, like I said, lots of guys who haven't played too much. So, I'm really excited about Europa in general. I mean, just games to play. Games for guys like Fabio Vieira to see him play Marquinhos, um, etc. So, what were you guys' thoughts on uh, on Vieira? We haven't mentioned him too much. Did you guys like um, some of his actions? Or are you waiting for more? I, I thought he played well. I thought um, the guys on the Arscast said he floated in and out of the game, and I think that's fair—a fair assessment. Um, but we've also seen Martin Odegaard float in and out as he's kind of getting used to that position. And so uh, you, you can see there's a lot of stuff there with him. Just some of his passing, some of his movement. Uh, felt like he ran a lot in the 70 minutes he played. And so... Uh, yeah, his his ball through to Enkedia was um, sublime. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it looked like the Bruno Fernandez ball from the weekend. Uh, yes, we we got to see plenty of that, unfortunately. Ugh, yeah, so. yeah. So I think there's there's definitely promising signs, and he has a part to play this season. I think he'll. I think he's really going to push Smith Rowe. I think if he can't. Oh. Um, I, I have a question about Smith Rowe later, so oh, we will. So I'll, I'll I'll hold off my my take until then. Yes, we must. Kevin, any, any last minute thoughts on the game? You know, I with your statement about just it feels good to have Europa back resonates so much with me because I was watching that game and you know on a work day trying to not think about work, I was actually in a meeting watching it and it was just such a good getaway. And it felt a little bit less pressured than what a Prem game normally feels like. And getting to see these other guys play is rewarding too. Like I was so super excited to see Marquinhos. Fiera, I think, is going to be special. He just looks so smooth. And some of the passes he was looking to pick out were were elite. And I'm not ready to compare him to like Mesut Ozil or even Odegaard at this point. But that silky smooth left foot is going to get when he gets minutes with our tops, with our top guys in the prem, I think he's going to have so many assists to his name. And that was for me, super exciting to see. And like I said, just a chance for more matches is always a good thing. We don't have to be super excited about preseason games anymore, just because we're, we're so lacking with them. It's, it's going to be hot and heavy here for the next month or two. It's going to be crazy. Um, yeah, we're, uh, we've been starving for our, our next meal of Arteta's tricky reds. And, uh, yeah, Europa gives us a, a little more, a little more taste of that. So yeah, definitely 
enjoying it. Different opposition, different players coming in. Um, I definitely agree about Vera as well. I'm getting, I mean, he's obviously not in, there will never be another Mezzo Ozil, but get some very Ozil and your boy, Benny, Santi Cazorla. Um, just see, just see peaks of them in him moving the ball out of his feet, um, the vision, just how he strikes a ball. Um, yeah, seeing that. And I agree with Kev for sure. Once he gets in um, with those main guys, I think he's going to look really even that much better. Um, especially, I mean, he's in his preseason now, essentially. So, um, yeah, I think we have a gym. And I think, you know, come spring when hopefully we're still – um, in the hunt for top four, in the hunt for Europa League. I mean, he's going to have a huge role to play, and I'm really glad that um, we found somebody in his mold. So, yeah. yeah. So that's enough about uh, about Zurich. Our game uh, Saturday, Sunday, uh, against Everton was postponed, which was a bummer, and our game this week against PSV um, was also postponed um, due to happenings around the Queen's funeral. So uh, I'm a bit nervous, to be honest, because I got tickets to the Arsenal City game, and that is rumored to be the game they're moving and uh, to make room for that Europa game. And uh, what? yeah, I'm pretty gutted, to be honest, because if they move that, I mean, I, I could still get to see a game at the Emirates if I was able to get Europa League tickets, but I'd now have tickets to Arsenal City that I don't believe can be refunded. And uh, I'm assuming that game will be next year sometime. At this point, I'm like, well, I guess I'll have to take another trip to go back to that game. I want to see a league game. I mean, league, like Kevin said, exactly. I mean, league games are different for sure. And especially that, I mean, that's tier one league game so i'm uh i'm on pins and needles just waiting um the other rumored game to be replaced is um the brighton cup game um so i'm holding out hope that that's the one that is moved they moved some of the league time league kickoff times and it's giving me a slight hope that that they moved one earlier and one later and uh, it's my hope that, well, I don't know, it just works out somehow. But, or, I mean, if PSV doesn't agree, then we have to forfeit the game. And to be honest, that's not the worst thing. Um, I mean, I never want to have to forfeit a game. Um, and this wasn't our doing. Um, but it gives us a game off. It still gives us a chance to win the league or win the win the league. Win the uh, win the group, um, so I'm not sure. I, I I'm really hoping they don't because postponing another league game. I mean, obviously, me with my tickets, I'm just like, please, please don't make it be this one. So that would be the most unlucky thing. Yeah, I mean, I mean you just think after COVID, like surely there won't be anything like COVID yeah. <laughs> coming up. And then the queen dies like six weeks before your trip. And you're like, I oh, will be good. That's at least it didn't happen right before we went. Well, it happened close enough, apparently. 
and uh, having to reschedule Europa fixtures is going to be my downfall. So hoping that's not the case. So stay tuned. Thanks for giving me a space to share. <laughs> I've been trying to uh, just justify it and figure it all out. And yeah, I'm not thrilled about it, but we will wait. Let's see what happens. So okay, I have some questions for you guys. Um, I guess my first question without the Premier League this weekend, what were you guys watching? I uh, I actually had tickets to the Penn State football game. Did you go? I did. Mount Newton? In, in person at Beaver Stadium. So I, that took up most of my days, a two-hour drive there and back. And so I went with my father-in-law. So it was a great time. They, they stomped Ohio. And, uh, yeah, it was a good time. Not bad. I don't know if Kev's back yet. We got BRB from Kev. It doesn't sound like he's back. I no, I'm back. I'm back. Oh, he's back. Oh, you never got the I'm back text. So I said back. Oh, I must have missed that. Forgive me. Have you you guys talk about me and technology, and it sounds like it's <laughs> kind of a, a two way street here. Questionable. I feel, I feel redeemed. Yeah, coming coming from the guy who edits and posts a pod every single time and takes care of it. Without question, but yeah, no, that's fine. Kev, what did you what did you do this weekend? Without the Premier League, what did you do? I had to spend all my time and energy on my own team's game, which we came out with a big two nil home victory. So that was exciting. Even I got a shout out from Ben in the chat for the dub, which made my weekend. Yeah, man, and I really care about you. Other than I know, I appreciate that. Other than other than that, just watch some American football and watch some college soccer on Friday night, some D1 games. Oh, nice. Other than that, not too much. It was kind of kind of felt like Arsenal died to us a little bit over the weekend, uh, and, they, was, and they didn't exist anymore. We've definitely got some lockdown flashbacks, and that was terrible. <laughs> I was like, especially having games, like getting a taste, and obviously being top of the table. It's just like, how can you take this away from me? It's like a kid at a buff, like a candy buffet. And then somebody's like, yeah, no, you you can't have any more. I think of whatever comparison you want. It was uh, rough to not have, but yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of annoying too, because for like two or three days in a row, it was like, will the games be canceled? Won't they be canceled? Maybe they're canceled. And it's like, I don't even want to look at this news anymore. I'm just going to wait and, see what happens and not pay attention and of of all seasons to postpone games it's just like at this rate i'm like i can't believe this like i don't know it seemed to me on on the arsenal twitter uh just with arsenal fans most of them really seem frustrated by the games being postponed um i i more of understand this weekend with just policing Surely there's, surely there's a way to figure something out, but I guess not. Uh, but yeah, last weekend was a bummer. I mean, a lot of people saying, you know, it would have been better to have events and honor her at the events rather than not have the events, especially just during this weird World Cup year after a COVID year. I mean, the player welfare is uh, being heavily neglected, and that doesn't help having a smaller squad. So. Nonetheless, we move on and um, get a game soon. The Brentford kickoff 
is uh, 7 a.m. So we'll, we'll chat about Brentford here soon. Um, I watched some U.S. Open and um, tried to watch some other leagues, but just obviously not as interested in them as a Premier League. So, all right, I have some uh, what I call big questions. I was sitting at work just pondering some Arsenal, maybe not Arsenal-specific, but us as fans questions. My first question is how fast do we turn on players? I feel like over the last couple of years, we've had our scapegoats. They come in as a signing, and you're excited about them. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, they're leaving, and you just can't wait to see the back of them. So, Kevin, I'll start with you. How fast do you feel it takes for you to, to turn on a player? And it, or maybe you don't, but I feel like it's natural for us to uh, get excited about a new signing that brings some hope, and then eventually they get to a point where – uh, you don't want them around. Yeah, that is, it's a really good question. And I would say that I try and pride myself as being a fan who supports all the guys and doesn't talk too much crap. And I look at the last few guys that have really gotten under my skin. And I think that would have to be obviously Lacazette did last season. And then the year before that, it had to be Willian, which I know Ooh. I'm not the only arsenal fan that felt that way but you know you look at those two guys and the things you would critique them on would be their effort at times and it didn't feel like they were working hard on the pitch at all times and you yep. look at some of the other the young guys we have the work rate of jesus and all those guys and it's just so much of a stark contrast to the effort that it seemed like William and Lacazette were giving at times. And I think for me, that has to be what I personally look for. And what I set apart is you can have skill, you can't have skill, but you can't, you can't change a guy's work rate and what they're doing on the field. And for me, if you're not working, you're not, you're not trying hard enough and giving it, giving your all for the, the red and white of Arsenal and, it's not it's not hard to do and so for those guys that's got to be what it is for me yeah it's interesting you bring them both up i mean both kind of at that scapegoat stage we're into their 30s i mean willian is surely on his last big contract his last big move um you could almost say the same about lacazette in the last year of his contract um most people confident he won't be around do you feel like that played a factor in either of them being scapegoated or um, is maybe that, that those reasons potentially factors of them not putting the effort in. Yeah. And it could be, it could easily be both because you look at a guy like Pepe and you could question his work rate at times too. And he was supposed to be around. He had a big contract and I think a lot of people were very critical of him. I was even critical of him at times. And so it's, it's definitely a mix of those things, but you also don't necessarily want to turn on a guy who just, who's young and signed a contract. And when you have so many young guys, like we've had, I don't think anyone wants to turn on, turn on them. You, you feel a little bit dirty turning on a guy that, you know, I, I will use that to lead into my next question. Um, ben, we can, if you have something to add to that, we can come back around to it, but you talk about, us and uh, young guys and want to give them a chance. I saw today lots of chatter on Twitter about selling Smith Rowe. 
um, people talking about his injury record and we need to cash in while we can. He'll never be that guy for us. I'm just like absolutely baffled at the age of 22, obviously had a trickier time. Uh, and I can tell how frustrated he is with injuries, but when he gets to start a game, as we saw last year, he scores goals. He's our number 10 signed a long-term contract, a hell end boy. And, uh, the fans are already moving on past him. Ben, uh, what what are your th- on the Smith Row chatter? Do you feel like do you feel like Arsenal fans will ever be happy? Why why do we have to bring up and make scenarios like this for him? I don't anyway. know, man. I think there's something wrong with our fan base. Like I, <laughs> I would say, that's we've been scarred. Yeah, something. You know, we've seen a lot of injuries come through with young players. You know, Sesk was injured for a while. Diaby. Yes. Uh, Jack. Jack. I know there's a, a few more. And so, like, uh, maybe those scars creeping in. But it's just hard to, to, to think, like, it was six months ago when he started tearing things up. Like, or nine months ago. Uh, and so, like, I just feel like people are so short-term, so short-sighted. You know, Vieira and Odegaard are having a good run, and Martinelli's turned on. But to sell them, to sell him right now would be a terrible piece of business. I don't know if you guys remember, but, like, early in his career, Van Persie was injured a decent amount. Hmm. Um, but came back, and, and the player that, that we saw uh, – like streakiness from came and, and he was fantastic for us. And so it still got hurt. And I think yeah. maybe we just need to accept that this is a part of the game. And eventually we're going to have some depth to where if somebody's not in, somebody else will be able to come in and do that. So Kev. Yeah. You know, as fans, we always need something to talk about or something to, like invest ourselves in. And I, if we play Everton over the weekend, I don't even think this Smith Rowe discussion happens. And I think it's so much just a product of no match. People are looking for something to talk about. It's a great question. I'm not saying you're at fault for bringing it up, but I think it's super harsh. And like I said, if we played Everton on Sunday and one, we'd be talking about the win, didn't get a result. We'd be talking about, what the heck's wrong and Smith Rowe wouldn't even have been been in that discussion and obviously for him needs to get healthy and that's a concern but yeah I, I just don't I'm with you I don't understand it whatsoever and it's just it's just people who are looking for a fight in an argument just like some of the KT versus Inchenko stuff or Saliba versus Ben White whatever and it's it's like we can't People can't be fans of the club. They have to be fans of only players on the club. Yeah. And by doing that, they have to dislike these other guys. And I have just never understood that mindset. Yeah. And kind of going off of that and linking that with my first question, I feel like fans always have to have a scapegoat. I mean, especially when you are not always winning or you're not achieving your goals like we didn't last year. It was easy to have a scapegoat. Everybody wanted Lacazette benched. And, you know, fair enough, when he was, 
we started playing better. Um, I mean, you have Cedric. I mean, you have the Mustafi, um, David Luiz, Socrates. I mean, you could go on for a while over the last couple of years. <laughs> when we've been hurt, we've had these scapegoats. And, uh, I mean, you can go back to Elmunia. Just any player that is air-prone. Um, you could even say Thomas Party with his injuries. And I, I don't know. It's uh, I'm ready to hopefully continue to to win and uh hopefully scapegoats will kind of go away but the, the fan narrative is always really interesting yeah and and i think like there are certain exceptions to to this like we tried to give mustafi time but it was like years and years and years of just calamitous defending we tried to give david Luis the benefit of the doubt and for the most part he was fine he was good but then there were these moments. And so it's like these, uh, not scapegoats, but guys just kind of not doing well. Maybe they take a little more blame than they should, but but sometimes it's pretty clear. But I think as a fan base, we really just need to channel all our energy into the refs and the refing conspiracy. <laughs> that be our scapegoats. We yeah. just love everybody on our team. Love the squad. Love Mikel. And just uh, hate all the referees and and come up with conspiracy theories as to how they're going to screw us over week after week. Yeah, that's more old school. And I'm always one for a conspiracy. I hate, I really hate complaining about refs, but I do feel a good conspiracy here and there. So, all right, boys, thank you for attending to those. My next question is when watching, what sets your favorite players apart? What do you look for? What do you notice in them when you see and you're just like, I I just, I love that so much. I love this player so much. Either of you can jump in first on that. Yeah, I for me, it's like a little bit of sauce and a lot of grit. Mm. So like, um, I'll, I'll go to my, my all-time favorite Arsenal player, Santi Cazorla. He just was a magician on the ball, but also he would get stuck in. You could see him working really hard. You'd see him, you know, chasing back, doing the dirty work. But then when he had the ball at his feet, like some magical stuff could happen. And so as I'm watching players out there, it's like I love Martinelli because he is a fantastic attacking talent. But, but dude, he's just always running and always sprinting and just kind of cramping and, Looks like every time he gets fouled, he's going to die. And there's just like this heart and passion there that uh, I think really does energize a team. The fans love the passion, don't they? We're all passion merchants. And when when guys wear their heart on their sleeve and are, are putting in full shifts, it's hard to not like. But I feel like as Arsenal fans, we've all grown up as sons of Arsene Wenger and seeing, um, seeing his – uh, just beautiful football played out. You know, we are always going to want a part of that. I think for me, I mean, I love watching Martin Odegaard. Um, I, I mean, I feel like you described it well to where they have to have a class about them, but also uh, a grit. And if they can have both, they'll be beloved. But I think by most, I love watching Ben White because again, I feel like he's both. I feel like, I think to me, it's something that, I makes me enjoy players more than others. If they can do something on the field that the other 21 players 
aren't doing or aren't capable of. And I feel like often that's been white to where we've seen his versatility. We've seen his class on the ball. And uh, I think we've really seen him enhance our offense. I also love Takahiro Tomiyasu. Again, just another player that I, there's not many like him. And he just does so many different things. It's, it's just so refreshing to see. And um, yeah, just a huge fan. Cav, what do you look for? Um, or what do you see in some of your favorite players that makes you just keep coming back to enjoying uh, watching them play? Yeah, you know, as per usual, I think both of you nailed that conversation. I found myself listening to you and thinking, I don't really have too much to add to this. And I guess I'd use the word, I just use the word passion. And it's so easy to root for guys who seem to care about what they're doing and care about Arsenal. And, Mm. and, you know, I talk about, I look at work rate on guys and then you compare KT and Zinchenko and KT is busting it up the line all day, all night, every game. Nuno's the same way. And then Zinchenko comes in and is immediately a fan favorite of everyone, including myself. And, and I think, I think it was you, Nick mentioned something, a guy who can do, do something that no one else does. And, Sometimes you can just see those special traits in players and and it makes it fun fun to watch. And I think more than anything else, it's just the the fanhood or the brotherhood of rooting for Arsenal and you just want guys to do well and you feel happy for guys when they do well. You know, like watching I I, I wanted to see Cedric play on Thursday. And like I said, I was disappointed that that he was out because he's a guy who has just been around and I feel like we've honestly hated on him a decent amount and said he's not good enough for the club, but you tend to fall in love with those guys too, because it, it means so much to him. Rob Holdings the same way. Every time he plays, there's part of you that's like, man, I wish we had our top center backs in, but you've seen stuff like the documentary and, and you follow him on social media and you see the people behind the player and it makes you just appreciate the guys for who they are. And I think once you have that Jersey on it, it's hard not to root for guys. And, you know, like I'll give the example of David Louise. I hated him at Chelsea, like despised him as a player. And then he came to Arsenal and loved everything about him. And it's funny how you can almost like become blind to some of those things when you root for, when you root for players of your team and, we'll pick on like Manchester United fans a little bit and they all love Bruno Fernandez and refuse to see anything negative about him or Tottenham fans are the same way with, with Son and his, I'll call him his dirty elbows, his, his everything else about his game. And as a fan of those clubs, you just turn a blind eye to some of those things. And so I would be interested to hear from other fans outside of Arsenal, which Arsenal guys, are disliked because there's got to be guys like that on every team. Yeah. That would be, that would be a fun question to ask, to ask out to others. We're definitely overdue for a a guest during this season. So we will look to make that happen. That was something we used to ask um, guests was their favorite Arsenal players or Arsenal players. They enjoy watching. So definitely interested to hear that. Um, Yeah. Well, well said on both accounts, Kev. I loved, I mean, just the, I think the documentary reminds you that these guys are, are people and this is their job 
and um they're some of them are friends some don't really talk to each other it's uh it's an interesting ecosystem within a team um but i think the documentary was done intentionally to i think grow grow the players closer to the team and um i think that's exactly what happened so excited to see that um continue to grow so another question i was talking to some friends um they were talking about the nfl they said i have one friend that said he only watches the last five minutes of nfl games because they're usually close and it was interesting i was like well i feel like you can't do that in soccer because if it's late i i just have you have to watch the whole game and he's like, but you could you could save yourself two hours and watch in, in 10, 15 minute highlights. I'm like, but, but that's just not the game. And so it really got me thinking. It's like, why do I feel like I have to watch the whole game? What so here's my question to you guys. What do you feel like you see or you look for that's maybe not included in the highlights, but still has value? It's a big question. <laughs> Uh, Kev, you want to take this one? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I guess I might not I might not answer this exactly how Nick's wanted it to be answered, but you know, I think of the for me, it is the the game day experience that's everything, mm. and it's the camaraderie of watching it with other people on Twitter at the exact same time, other people in our Arsenal bros chat and in our other Arsenal chat and experience that experiencing that with them and kind of like vilifying a player during the match for his misses and then going crazy when he scores. Like we, like I was doing with Nketiah the other day, obviously I was jacked when he scored and it was like all of his, he had atoned for all of his sins early earlier in the match. And, for me, it's just that experience, and highlights don't give that to you. I think in any way, I don't even want to watch highlights when we lose, when we yes. win. I don't want to watch them, but I just you can't replace all those little things that happen in matches. And yeah, you know, the, the last five minutes, even of an EPL game, might be the most important five minutes. But there was four other goals to get those matches to two-two in the ninetieth minute, and and those you got to enjoy the highs and ride out the lows and that's exactly what being a fan is is supporting them at all times and i just think you can't replace that the journey that you go on during each match oh wow the journey each match well said you can go from a pre-match build up to the ebbs and flows of the game that i feel like stats or even highlights can't tell the whole story and I feel like you talk about the journey of a game. You talk about the journey of a player. I mean, we've watched Bukayo Saka just blossom. I mean, you can even talk about Gabriel Martinelli or Emil Smith-Rowe over the last couple of years. Like, we've seen them, and but you're watching every touch. You're watching their placement. You're watching what makes them special. And, um, yeah, you just soak it all in. Um, ben, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah it's and I get it. Like there's some sports where it's a little different. Um, but like the highs and lows of a lineup announcement, 
is a big one. Um, it, do we do we get that in any other sport? I mean, is there a meltdown when you see a baseball lineup or is baseball still a sport? Yes, it is. Okay. Put some respect on it. Okay, sorry. Yeah, and just to highlight that, go back to Chelsea last spring when they announced El Nenny in the lineup. And we were all like, oh, piss. Like, all right, I guess we'll go with it. But no one, no one, maybe BK, but no one felt good when El Nenny was in that lineup. And then he was a hero 90 minutes later. Yeah. And and there's just this this idea of like being able to watch the game building it's almost like you'd have to be a you those psychopaths you just read the last chapter of the book because they can't Ooh. handle the anticipation of reading the whole thing but like i want to see the players develop i want to see them ease into a game i want to see them overcome adversity uh and so with all of those things together the, the feel of the crowd uh it's just all flows into something really special even a terrible game you know having it your frustration build and then the release of a, of a late goal even though we've played terrible it's like this uh, xanax that comes over your body that it's just great it's different for sure when you have that full story though yeah i love your analogy of just reading the last chapter i mean if you do that you're going to miss so much. And like you said, Kev, it's just the journey that is so neat, unique in, in the game that we love. And especially when you love watching a team, I mean, you're, you're just wanting to take in every bit that you can. And uh, yeah, there's so much that it's so easy to miss and um, maybe even not to pay attention to like watching games back. You can see so many things that you didn't see the first time. I don't, we often don't do that, but if you're able to, especially big wins, I mean, you just enjoy it even more. So, yeah, a weird question for sure, but thank you uh, for answering. I just was really thinking about that for my friends asked it. I'm like, why, why do I watch the whole game? And I uh, had to get some words to it. So, thank you. Okay, I have one last question, um, and then we'll chat a little bit about Brentford. But it is the pill question. Saw this going around on Twitter I screenshotted it and I cropped the name of it, so forgive me, whoever um, posted it. But Arsenal fans, choose one pill, and there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different pills, kind of things that, you know, if you could go back in time, wish that they would have happened. So the first one is Eduardo never broke his leg. The second one, Henri scores the 1v1 in the Champions League final. Uh, the third one, Saliba signs a five-year contract. The green one, um, the fourth one, we will win the Champions League once, but never again. Fourth one, or fifth one, we never left Highbury. Sixth one, we never never lost Robin Van Persie to Manchester United. And the seventh one, Fabregas signed a lifetime contract in 2011. Wow, lots of things that uh, would have loved to have happen any any of these stick out to you guys and you're like yes i'm i want that one right away it's hard man i feel like these are these are great ones but they do kind of 
tilt a little bit like 10 years ago. I mean, you have Saliba. I mean, you could also think you you got to think a little ahead, Benji. Like if one of these happened even 10 years ago, does that shape things today? That's what I was trying to think through. But I think for some of the newer fans, it would be hard for them to answer this question um, because there's some stuff with, you know, Alexis. What if we would have signed Luis Suarez? What if... Uh, wow, he's just adding more to it. We should yeah. have Benji come up with his own list in the Emirates era. Okay, maybe uh, for next pod we can have that sorted. Yeah, but I think for this... I I'm kind of between Henri scoring one v one in the UCL final and not losing Van Persie to United. For me, those two are the big ones because we would have a Champions League win recently, and I think that would just I think that would have kind of really fired us up and and given us more momentum heading into the Emirates era. I think it would have been an influx of cash. I think more players would have wanted to come sign for us. I think we could have really, really retold a little bit better after the Invincibles era. Okay. So I'm leaning that way, but then losing RVP, I mean, we were... If we would have had him one more season, two more seasons, if we would have re-signed him, I think we could have maybe stolen a title. Yeah, that was kind of Fenger's big thing is that, you know, in both of those, not winning the Champions League and also it's been so long since we've won the league. So both fair points. Kevin, any stick out to you? Yeah, what's wild is the two that stuck out are the two that Benji named (laughs) with Henri and RVP and you know what I'll add on to the RVP saga was it, it for me it was not only him leaving but who he went to and then the fact that he scored such a crucial goal against us that year in, in a United shirt and you know we talk about loyalty to players and I think when we when we as fans fall in love with these guys and then they leave us for a rival like that, it leaves you with such a bitter taste in your mouth. And I thought about my own list and thought, what if Giroud never went to Chelsea? And, you know, we, we definitely had our criticisms towards him, but there's just something about seeing those guys in another Jersey that makes you sick to your stomach. And we'll get to experience it again, most likely here with Obama Yang. And, and yeah, just that one that one hurt for me. I also hated losing Nasri to Man City. He was one of my favorites. Mm, yes. As as a young Arsenal star. And but for me, Henri scoring in the in the Champions League final would probably be one A and then one B would be Van Persie to United, but it's it's a great list, if we're being honest. Yeah, I was uh intrigued by reading it Saliba signs five-year contract well let's hope that's a a bonus pill that uh, is already sorted for us it seems like that's in the works so let's hope that happens but um, I would definitely agree I mean Eduardo never broke his leg that was I was telling Benji off air 
that was kind of my first full season that I was fully engrossed and uh, that was heartbreaking for sure. But if that kind of happened now compared to then, that would be even harder for sure. Um, the Henri one definitely sticks out. I don't even think I was technically a fan. I think that was like the season before I kind of watched. Um, and, but looking back, just the impact of that. Um, yeah, I think, I think we're still feeling the impacts of that. If we win that game, I mean, we're in elite company and I think we build even more from there. Maybe Henri stays even longer. Maybe Sesk stays even longer. Um, it's hard to even put limits on what that would look like. Um, but to me, I mean, as much as I loved Robin Van Persie and that hurts like nothing else, um, I think staying at Highbury, um, if we, I just wish we could have found a way to expand that because I still think maybe up until this year, I mean, we've been at the Emirates for, I think this is our 16th season there. I, I still think we're working on that being, you know, the cauldron. I mean, we talked about, I mean, going to old Trafford and what that was like, and like, we should definitely beat them on paper, but that is just a different experience. And, I feel like Highbury had that air to it. I mean, watching countless games and videos from back on that era and seeing how close the stands were, I just really wish we could have expanded it. I mean, you've seen that with Anfield and Stanford Bridge and even Craven Cottage being expanded rather than being a new building a new state-of-the-art stadium. And I feel like we were kind of the first team to do that and um, in this generation, and I feel like a lot of teams had followed it. Um, but some of the classic teams um, have kept their classic stadiums and maybe it just financially wouldn't have been able to happen. But I feel like that would have been, um, I, I think I just missed that era and wish I would have gotten to watch more than because it seemed like a special place. May not, might not have uh, impacted us whatsoever as a team, but um yeah, there's uh, there's my answers. Interesting question, isn't Ben? I'm uh, excited for your Emirates era uh, pills, whatever you want to call it, the little tears that you are going to uh, sort for us here soon. Absolutely, yeah. Right. I'll, uh, I'll get them. I'll get them after uh, blowing basking in the Brentford win. I will. We'll come up with a great few scenarios. Brentford away. The game got moved to 7 a.m. Eastern time, so an early one for us. We all know how Brentford away went last season, and um, are we thinking it's just Brentford, or do we have something to be concerned about? And they're currently eighth in the table, two wins, three draws, one loss, plus six goal differentials battering Manchester United at home in a laughable full win, 4-0 four, four at halftime um, at Brentford. Um, nine points on the year, lost them 2-0, obviously, uh, at their place last year, beat them 2-1 at home. Ivan Tony has been banging goals in. Are you guys worried 
about Brentford unbeaten in the last four coming into this? I am. I'm less worried than I was about Everton last weekend. Uh, but still think the, the, the mighty bees are going to be tough for us. I think we'll, we'll struggle to break them down, but I'm really glad we got some time in between the loss to United and then a fine performance in the Europa League. I think heading into Everton, uh, I think we were losing a little energy and momentum. So I think having some time off will actually be really good. Kind of refocus, reset some things, solve a few problems, getting ready for um, uh, Ivan Tony and, and, and what Brentford has. Do you know, although we're top of the table, they have scored more goals than us this year. Yeah. I mean, they just smashed leads five, two. And while, the scoreline is a little unfair to Leeds. They still scored five goals. Yeah, I, watched, I, I watched that match, and, and it didn't seem like they were three goals better than Leeds. But, it, I mean... James, James Benz reporting that Thomas Party is back in full training um, and could have... Uh, James Nicholas, he had said that Party had a good chance of making the bench, um, at least making the squad for the Everton game. And now he's in full training. It gives me some hope that he should be good to go from the beginning. Um, and that could be a big factor in uh, us taking care of them. Kevin, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling going into Brentford away? Yeah, such a difficult, obviously difficult fixture last season. and. I just have so much, so much confidence in our current squad, especially when near full strength. That we're almost getting to the point where there aren't that that many games that uh, you guys will kill me for saying this, but <laughs> there aren't that many games that I'm like, yeah, I feel like we're going to drop points here, and I think we are. I think we're clearly a better team. And, you know, we talked about it after the United podcast that we played and looked better for large portions of that United game than we have in a long, long time at Old Trafford. And we're fit. We're guys like Saka are rested now for a long time. And Martinelli the same way. They got they each made some short cameos, but we're fit. We're ready to go. And the beauty of the United game is that we ended it still top of the league and we can go out, get three points here, and bask in being top of the table through the international break. And I think that's a big opportunity and one that the maturity of the squad is ready to ready to deal with. And Ivan Tony is going to be a handful, but I'm confident in in our back line being able to deal with him and hopefully shutting down their attack a little bit while also getting ours firing on all cylinders. This will certainly be an interesting challenge. Um, we passed the away at Crystal Palace test, failed the away at Manchester United test. So this is probably uh, 
more similar to the Crystal Palace, another London derby. Um, and it, it'll be a noon kickoff there, which um, is pretty rare from what I can tell in the league. So, um, yeah, I mean, their offense has been firing. Ivan Tony um, and crew, uh, despite the loss of Christian Erickson, have been continuing to really put up some major numbers. So, yeah, I uh, I kind of hope they come at us a bit and play an open game because I think that will suit us better. Um, but Ivan Tony's a beast. I think has truly deserved an England call up, and uh, I, I think it'll be a great test for our center backs to see if they can bang um, with him because he's such a physical center forward and. Um, yeah, I I mean I trust we'll create the chances. It's just a matter of will we take them, and uh, that's how the game always is, I guess. So, predictions. What are we putting on paper, Kevin? Let's go with a. Th uh, you were about to say three. I was. I was gonna go. say. I was gonna <laughs> say three. I'll go two to one, and I'll say that it's a frustrating two to one because we don't take our chances like it's similar to how other games have played out this year we create a lot don't bury all of our chances and make it a little bit more nervy than it should be but hang on ramsdale comes up with a big save late on like he has a couple times and we get out of there remaining top of the table and feeling great about life that sounds great to me i feel pretty great about that benji yeah, I, I had Arsenal as a 6-1 win over Zerk last week. <laughs> uh, I that was more of what Kevin described as a 2-1. Uh, a little nervy, but we got it done. Yeah, so this is me either living in fear or learning from my mistakes. I think it'll be 1-0 to the Arsenal. Ooh. You use a clean sheet. Uh, I think the boys will be pushing for one. I think we'll see a shuffled back line. I think that we could see something a little different. I don't know if it's Ben White shifting over i don't know if it's tomiyasu starting tomiyasu has to play he's I think so, so good so good he was so good against zurich i mean his passing wow. from right back being a 6-2 right back in a monster in the air is unbelievable i think he needs to play i do I mean, too and i think that just with him and party in the lineup like i really do think we'll hold a clean sheet um but i think we will struggle to break them down i think they'll be tough They've been grinding out a few results. So, yeah, 1-0 to the Arsenal. Yeah, I'm very interested to see how they play, like if they come at us or if they sit in. It was um, interesting. When we did beat them 2-1, Thomas Party was player of the match. Um, he had the highest uh, player rating that match. And so I think there is something there where if he's fit and can play like he can, he will unlock a lot for us. Yeah, certainly uh, when we have him, we're at our best. He finds pockets. He turns out of pressure like no one that we have. I mean, Sambius, um, I think, improved from last year. But, you know, this this lone six role is for Thomas Party and about Thomas Party only. So let's hope that he's back. And um, if he is... I'm pretty confident we'll get the three points. I, um, I'm i going to go with the 1-0 as well, Ben. I feel like in the league, 
I hope we still have a bad taste about the United game and um, push to keep that clean sheet. Um, held, held Zurich pretty well. Um, the penalty was uh, obviously against a run of play, and but I trust we'll be in better shape than that. So, yeah. all right. Well, all all of us predicting wins for the Arsenal. So let's hope we're all right. So. Anything else for the good of the pod? Good to get uh get us back together and back on the train. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be busy here soon. The Arsenal Bros gonna be working some OT. <laughs> Seriously, I'm gonna have to like quit my job just to keep this pod alive. Yeah, it, we need to we need to get sponsored ASAP. So I, I don't know who we need to talk to, but somebody's gotta sponsor the pod. So if you're out there and you have a business or have any money that you want to give to, give to the Arsenal bros so we can uh, keep up with this uh, breakneck scheduling coming, let me know. So, Kev, anything? Hey, let's do it. Let's let's get back to these games. The, is the whole Prem playing this weekend, I would assume? No, it's 7 out of 10 games. Um, kind of the bigger stadium games aren't. Um Chelsea United, I, I don't remember the exact game, so I know Chelsea isn't playing their game. United isn't playing their game. United leads Chelsea, Liverpool, and then a Brighton, Brighton Palace. Brighton and Palace is off for the rail strikes, and that was already off. Um, but the other ones, I think, are just size of the stadiums um, and the policing. Hey, a chance to pick up points while other teams are sitting at home. No it's doubt. A great, a great opportunity. Yeah, we had this last year. Let's just win the games we have so we, we don't have to be on the other side of the games in hand thing. So. Amen. All right. Well, for Ben and Kevin, I am Nick. We are the Arsenal Bros. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Hey, thanks so much for listening. We appreciate you guys so much. If you enjoyed it, find us on Twitter at the Arsenal Bros. Like I said, we're going to be busy here soon, so make sure you're tuning in. We love talking about the Arsenal. Lots of games coming up, so we're excited to watch. So feel free to join in.